you know what Josh had just mentioned that one of the things he loves about this church is that you know we can make a mistake and not worry about it and we're human and uh, we're not always trying to be perfect and that's true and one of the ways we know that too is they're okay with me up here preaching so we're gonna have some fun today I hope um, as Josh had mentioned too, we had talked about this actually a couple times Josh and I too had talked on the phone about goals and stuff and so he had brought up on a couple occasions we really need to talk to the church about it so I, I've been goals has been something I've even before I was a Christian um, I spent a lot of time on so I kind of had that heart for it so he said yeah go ahead let's we try to give Josh a Sunday off every month or two and uh, give him a break so that's why why I'm up here um, before I forget too, there there are two there's one correction on the news bulletin that I want to let everyone know. Uh, it said Saturday for the Easter egg hunt. It's Sunday the 2nd. And it said Saturday for Easter. And most of you are aware, but just in case, maybe people new to the church, uh, church in general, the big church, um, that don't know Easter is on Sunday. So it's Easter egg, Sunday the 2nd, Easter, Sunday the 9th of April. So just wanted to clarify that. Okay. Anybody here into shooting? Yeah. Can't see up there, but it's quite a few people. But not as many as I thought. How many women are into shooting? Photography. Okay, someone said photography. All right, there we go. I know there were when we had the turkey shoot for the men's ministry, and it was just a guy thing. There were a lot of women that came up to me and were upset about the fact that women weren't invited. So I, I know that there's definitely some women that want to shoot. As a matter of fact, I was a little scared for my life a few times. But, <laughs> but anyhow, so if you're into shooting, and if you've ever seen some really good shooters, it kind of blows you. It almost seems like it's trick photography, some of the things these people can do. There's one guy, there's a, a couple I want to mention here. There's one guy, they call him 22 Plinkster. So um, it, 22 is a small caliber rifle. And I guess a lot of the sh good shooters use these 22s because they're pretty accurate. But he can take, supposedly, he can take a balloon, put an aspirin on top of it, put the gun on his shoulder with a mirror, balloon behind him, and he shoots the aspirin off the balloon without popping the balloon. It's like, huh? That's crazy stuff. He also takes, and he'll, he'll start a nail in some wood, and he'll shoot the nail and set the nail with his bullet. Now, I think a nail gun's probably faster, but anyhow, it's pretty cool to watch, right? Um, there's another, a, a couple, a husband and wife. Their names are Adolf and Elizabeth, I don't know if I'm pronouncing this right, but Toperween or something like that. He'll actually take a two-and-a-half-inch block, it's thrown up by hand. He shoots it out of the sky. He hit it 14,540 times in a row. And his wife, not to, not to uh, uh, you know, be outdone, has anybody ever shot clay targets, clay pigeons? Bunch of hands go up, right? And it's with a bird shot, so it spreads out a little bit. So all you got to do is have one of those, the bullet is full of a bunch of little BBs, and all you got to do is have one of those BBs hit the clay thing and it breaks it apart. So try to hit those clay targets with a 22, one little bullet. You got to be right on to be able to do it. She hit 967 out of 1,000 of those things. Now, I don't know about you, but I wouldn't want to break into their house that would be the last house I'd want to break into. So, but I don't want to brag. I don't want to brag. I don't want this to be a boastful thing. But I could outshoot any of those guys, no problem. So before my pride gets in the way, let's open up in a word of prayer, okay? Heavenly Father, we just thank you for this uh, time together. Pray that you'd be here with us and you'd be teaching us uh, from your word and that you'd be touching some hearts, Lord, and helping us set up goals and, and move in the direction you want us to move. 
Lord, we thank you. We love you, Lord, and we lift this up in Jesus' name. Amen. Okay, so let me clarify that. I can outshoot any of these guys if we blindfold them, and after we blindfold them, we move the target somewhere where they don't know where it is. Then we take them and we spin them around like a top so when they stop, they're so dizzy they almost fall down. Now, some of you may say, yeah, well, that's ridiculous. Of course we know you can outshoot them. But some of us go through life that way. We're, we're, we're aiming for a target we don't have. We don't even know what it is. Um, I once heard uh, a guy say, you know, how can you hit a target you don't have? I heard another guy say it this way. Anybody who shoots at a target they don't have will always hit it. And so we want to know what it is we're shooting for, because if we don't, someone else is going to make our goal for us. And that may not be what God's will is for us. So we need to learn how to, uh, to set goals and set up. What if I didn't prepare for the sermon? What if I just came up here and just said, all right, guys, um, well, uh, what do you think of those volunteers, huh? Within like 30 seconds at the most, you guys would get bored and say, I'm out of here. This guy's wasting my time. So even in terms of setting up a message, you have to set a site. You have to set a goal and, and, and to, uh, to bring that to, the, to, to, to come about properly. As I mentioned before, I've been doing goals since before I was a Christian. Actually, one of the guys who... I used to listen to a lot. He was really my favorite motivational speaker, if you want to call it that, was a guy named Zig Ziglar, and he was actually a Christian, too. He talked about the Bible a lot, and he was funny. I really liked him. He, he kept you listening, had good stuff. But he was also instrumental in, in making me realize that maybe I want to look into this Bible a little bit. There were a few things that were coming around at that time, but this I had never looked at the Bible, never knew anything about Christianity. And so him quoting the Bible a lot, just got me curious about it. So I would start, start uh, listening to it on tape. And so um, that's really how I got into it. And you'll, you're going to see, I'm going to have a couple stories in there in my own personal life. I'm going to kind of put my own vulnerability on the line here a little bit on a couple things um, and let you know how God's worked in me with certain goals. So if I ask you guys out there, what is a goal? You guys can just shout a couple things out. That's fine. What is a goal? When you think of someone saying set a goal, what do you think they're saying to you? What's that? Soccer? Oh, okay, soccer. Okay. Soccer goal. Oh, okay. Good. I can see how much you work with goals. All right. <laughs> Anybody else? Anybody else have a better answer than Ross? What is it? Accomplishment. Accomplishment of some sort, right? Fitness. Fitness is a good goal. Whoever you'll be. What's that? Somewhere you can throw toward. Grow toward. That too, absolutely. Um, you ever hear people say Christianity is not a destination, it's a journey? You heard that saying? There's some truth to that. I don't 100% agree with it because... The truth of the matter is, yes, when you become a, a follower of Christ, it's not a destination. It begins a journey. But there is a destination at the end that we all want. It's to be with Christ. It's to be with the Trinity for eternity, right? And there's, it maybe meet some cool people that were in the Bible. Just a lot of things. That's our goal. The destination is our goal. The journey is the plan to get there. Because one works with the other. If you look at uh, a plan without a goal, it's useless. Um, I heard, uh, I don't even remember what the, who the pastor was, but just about a week or so ago, I heard him talking about it. I thought this would be a great little story for this. He, he and his family decided they were going to go on vacation. And they were going to go somewhere. But they thought it'd be cool to not set up. where They're just going to get in the car and go. No goal. That plan didn't work out very well. 
They said within like two days, I think he said, they were like all freaking out and had to change their, their plans quick because you can't have a plan without a goal. But you also can't have a successful goal without a plan because the goal, again, is the destination. But now you got to know how you're going to get there. You got to know how to get there. So the destination is a goal. I want to read Philippians 3. 12 through 14. Uh, This is written by Paul. And he says, not that I've already obtained all this or have already been made perfect, but I press on to take hold of that for which Christ Jesus took hold of me. Brothers, I do not consider myself yet to have taken hold of it. But one thing I do, forgetting what is behind, forget about it back there. It's over and done, right? Forgetting about what is behind and straining toward what is ahead, I press on toward the goal to win the prize for which God has called me heavenward in Christ Jesus. Amen. So when you look at that, see how much better than a soccer goal that is, Ross? (laughs) So, um, So when we see that, we see what his goal was, right? He's working toward that goal of being with Christ forever in eternity. So when we talk about the goal, here he says he's pressing on toward it. And we just mentioned a plan without a, I mean, a goal without a plan is is useless. Um, So we kind of have to look at it and say, all right, how do we make that plan? Now, this is a generalization. It's not always true. But for the most part, it is. Usually the goal is much easier than the plan. Okay? Much easier than the plan. The goal comes into your head. You you get it in your head. You, 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 you like it. You say, okay, that was easy. Now you've got a plan on how to get there. That can be difficult. That's the tough part. And if you don't believe me, uh, ask Noah. Someday when you get to heaven, ask Noah. God says, build a boat. Okay, there's the goal. No problem. By the way, it's 450 feet long, 75 feet wide, 45 feet high, and, and you've got to fit all these animals on there and stuff like that. It's like, uh-oh, the plan to do that is going to be very difficult. That's going to be the hard part. Or how about Nehemiah with a wall? Someone tells him the wall's not built anymore. Jerusalem's in ruins. Here comes the goal. All right, I'm going to build the wall. Here's the problem. How do I do it? Now he's got to come up with a plan for it. So, or Solomon with the temple. Uh, There's a bunch of examples in the Bible like that. I want to go through and give you some, uh, some things that make out a good goal. But before I do, I told you I'm going to get a little vulnerable in some of this stuff. I want to tell you a little story about something that happened to me. This story is going to take a few minutes, but you need to hear some of the details because they're all important to see how God worked in this. Years ago, years ago, I used to have a couple of natural food stores. And I had these goals to, and I was real specific with my goals. I had them all written out. I had a map laid out where I wanted 100 stores within a certain period of time, and I don't remember what the time frame was, 10 or 15 years, something like that. And I came up with this idea on the way that I could do that. And that was, I was starting to see grocery stores were starting to put uh, separate little businesses in their grocery stores. You know, you go and you see a subway, you see something like that in the grocery stores. It was a fairly new thing, but I thought, why not put a natural food store in a grocery store? Because you go in and ask anybody in the grocery store the most basic things about natural foods, and they have no clue. They'll look at you like you got three heads. So I said, man, if we could just man it, go in there, get the thing done. Well, I started praying about it. I was a fairly new Christian at the time, and I'm praying about it. And I, I have a buddy of mine, good friend of mine, who we would get together once a week, and we would talk about our goals, and we'd hold each other accountable on them. And we help each other out on them. And we called it every Tuesday night, we called it goal geeking. For lack of a better term, we were a couple of geeks in there going over uh, things like that. Well, one day he was on a flight 
And, and I'm thinking one of my biggest problems in this goal was the plan of how do I even get into one of these grocery stores? They're all mega chains. And so one day my buddy's on a flight and he's sitting next to a guy and in the, on the guy's letterhead, he could see it said Edwards Supermarket. Now Edwards Supermarket was a big chain up in the Northeast. And so he asked the guy, he says, you know, I hate to bother you and interrupt you. He says, but I just noticed your, your letterhead. And I have this buddy of mine who's working on a project. He didn't say what it was. So he's working on a project and he's thinking of approaching grocery stores to see about leasing space in there. And the guy's like, oh, we're really into that. He says, we're really starting to expand on that. He said, why don't you just give me your, your, your card and uh, I'll uh, contact you and, and, uh, and, and get you in the right hands of whoever you need to talk to. And my buddy's thinking, oh. you know, he didn't say this, but he was thinking, like, just get me to the right guy now. Why do I need to mess around with the little guy? Get me to the right guy. So the guy pulls out his card. His name was Anthony Schiano. He's the president and CEO of Edwards Supermarkets. <laughs> so I don't think you can get much bigger than that. They hit it off really well. They're talking, they're, they, they're hooking up at the baggage cart, they're hooking up at their car, all these things keep happening. And then I used to uh, get these mailings from a, a company called, uh, I mean, a, a ministry called, I can't remember what it was called, but it was, for, it was for men, it was for businesses in the Hartford, Connecticut area. And so twice a week they'd have speakers, and I usually couldn't go because of the time and, and, and the business I had. But there was one that came in, and I usually just threw them out, quite honestly. And so I threw it out, and I could hear clearly God tapping me on the head saying, don't throw that one out. Don't throw that one out. And I'm like, ah. so I pick it up. And of course, you know, how can you bother me, God? I'm, I'm so busy. I guess, so how can I be pulling this thing back out, right? My little, my little pea brain's thinking that way. And so I pull it out, and it shows the two speakers. Well, one of the speakers was Anthony Schiano, president and CEO of Edwards. He's a Christian. And he was speaking at this men's business thing. And I said, okay, thank you, Lord. So I went to that one. I introduced myself to him. He got all excited. He goes, oh, I remember your buddy on the plane. He goes, and look, he goes, I actually shop in your store. And he pulls out a handful of vitamins and starts showing them to me. Well, sure enough, I saw a check about once a month. He and his wife would come from two towns away and shop in our store. And he said, I'm very interested in what you, what you have to offer us. He said, I want you to go talk to, and he gave me the name of this guy. I went in and talked with him. Things were going really well. Things were really moving forward with us. And so then uh, something happened. Uh, the company that owned Edwards was a company called Aho out of the Netherlands. And Aho ended up buying another big grocery store in that market called Stop and Shop. And so the, FD, the Federal Trade Commission, the FTC, made them sell 30-some-odd stores because there are a lot of towns that only Stop and Shop and Edwards were in. So they did that. They sold off a bunch of Edwards. They promoted this guy, Anthony Schiano, to now president and CEO of two of the grocery store chains. Um, and the main one was called Giant in Pennsylvania. They moved him to Pennsylvania. They moved the guy I was dealing with to Pennsylvania. And now God hits me with this thing. Now, does it seem like a lot of those things are, 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 were given to me by God? There were a lot of coincidences there that didn't just happen. God did these to me. But now when everything moved, I'm very convinced of that. When everything moved over there, God then said to me, okay, Garrett, now it's time to make your decision. Are you going to follow after the success and the money and go to Pennsylvania? You got three young kids at home. Yeah, there's going to be money in it. But are you going to do that and go after that goal? Or are you going to stay home and follow a different goal and stay local and be around for your kids. And it was like, whew, it hit me hard because I knew God had set all these things up. But why did he set them up? He set them up to test me, see which way I'm going to go. There's nothing wrong with tests, by the way. 
I know you kids that are still in school hate tests, but there's nothing wrong with tests. We need tests. I decided to just let the whole thing go. I said, forget about it. I'm staying local, and I'm going to be there for my kids and, my, and, and Sue. And, you know, it was like God threw another little zinger at me, you know, like six months later, just to make sure I was really okay with it. I used to get a trade journal called Supermarket News, and it was, goes out to all the supermarkets and stuff like that. And about six months after I, I just threw in the towel on it, I saw a thing that said, Walmart is experimenting with a brand new concept. They're going to try putting a natural food store in two of their locations, independently run natural food store. I'm like, man, that's my idea. Then to make the zinger even a little tougher on me, out of all the, I don't know how many Walmarts there are in the world, you know, a gazillion of them probably. And... But out of the two, one of them was two towns away from where I lived, Plainville, Connecticut. And I'm like, oh, my goodness. But I said, no, I was happy with my decision. I moved on. So then a couple of years later, a bunch of things happened where I clearly look at it now and realize God was pulling me out of those stores. I was still setting goals. Now my goals had changed. Um, and we'll talk about that in a minute, too. But my goals had changed, and I said, I'm just going to grow these stores, but a bunch of stuff happened, all these things at once that, again, I can look at it and say, it was God's plan to get me out of those stores and move me to a different company, which is what happened. And I remember when I realized the stores had to close, I'll be honest with you, I was angry with God. My faith wasn't rocked. I never questioned God was God, but I was angry with God. And I remember saying to him, I took Malachi 3.10, and I didn't give you that one, uh, Casey, but if you can put that up on the, on the uh, there it is, right? Look how fast she is. Man, I didn't finish saying it. It's there. <laughs> or did I give it to you? Maybe I did give it to you. I did? Okay. <laughs> all right. So, all right. Well, you could take the credit for being fast anyhow. It says, bring the whole tithe into the storehouse that there may be food in my house. Test me in this. Only place in the Bible where God says, test me. Test me in this, says the Lord Almighty, and see if I will not throw open the floodgates of heaven and pour out so much blessing that you will not have room enough for it. I want to bring up two points here. We're talking about goals today, but it's not a name it, claim it. I do not believe in the name it, claim it, get rich quick scheme stuff, baloney that's out there right now in a lot of churches is not true. Because I took this scripture, I'm a big believer, believer in tithing. I was then, I still am today. So I don't want people to say, oh, you know, anything different on that. <clears throat> but I took that scripture and I said, God, you said, if I give a tenth of the storehouse, you'll pour out so much blessing that you, I won't have enough room for it. And I said, I've been giving to the church I've been giving out of the business to the church. I've been sharing the gospel with customers, with my employees. And I said, and, and here I am, I'm the sole provider. My wife and kids are at home, <clears throat> and you're taking this business away. And then again, I reminded them, you said you'll pour out more blessings than I can handle. You know, his response was, who said my blessings are financial? May you could have just, you could have knocked me over with a feather at that point. I was blown away. So then I said to him, okay, well, if that's the case, God, then you you got to show me the plan. Remember, I'm a goal setter. There are goals everywhere. I got stuff written down all over the place. So I said, you got to show me the plan, God. You know what his response to that was right away? Garrett, if I show you the plan, you're going to put faith in the plan. If I don't show you the plan, you're going to have to put your faith in me. And I, I hated that response. I'll be totally honest with you. I hated that response. A couple days later, he gives me a vision. Vision, whatever you want to call it, a visual. It was a bicycle built for two. And he, here it is. Good job, Casey. <laughs> the old bicycle built for two. Now, if you look at the bicycle built for two, <clears throat> you got a guy in the front and someone in the back, right? The one in the front steers, the one in the back doesn't, but they both pedal. So he gives me this visual of me on the bicycle built for two with him. 
And I'm sitting behind him. He's in the front. I'm in the back. And if you look, if he's in front of me, if I'm trying to look forward, Robbie, as you mentioned, you know, forward goal, right? I'm trying to look forward, and I can't because all he sees is back. All I can see is where I am and where I've been. And I'd say, Jesus, where are we going? Because I can't steer. I'm just holding on to the handlebars. He says, don't worry about that, Garrett. Just keep pedaling. Keep pedaling. And again, I hated that, but I never forgot that visual. Keep pedaling, Garrett. Keep pedaling. I tell you that story because with goals and planning, you're going to sometimes have to change them, which you're going to see on the list that I'm about to give you on that. Sometimes we have to change the goals or the plans. Sometimes God will give us a choice like he did in that one. But he also never wants us to worship him. I was so heavy into the goals it became my idol. And nothing should be an idol over God. So for a lot of you people, you may say, I never do goals. So he might convict you and get you to doing more goals. But you know what? He wouldn't let me do goals for several years after this. Every time I'd try to, I felt like, I felt like the shooters I was telling you were going to blindfold them, spin them around and all that stuff. That's what I felt like. I felt like every time I tried, he would put some sort of stumbling block there where I couldn't set goals anymore. I had to just move forward. So I'd say I'm probably the rarer person because very few people are really hung up on goals like I was. Most people, I think, need to set more goals. And so I'm going to give you seven things. There's a ton of lists out there, by the way, of, uh, of different ingredients for good goal setting. This is kind of Garrett's, you know, stealing from some and discarding some other ones. But these, I think, are the best seven things for setting goals. First one is you got to be specific. If you're not specific about the goal, how do you even know if it's a goal? Let's say I'm talking to DJ, and DJ says to me, man, I, I don't know, Garrett, things are tough. I just need more money. And I say, well, is that your goal? Yeah, my goal is I need more money. So I say to DJ, here, DJ, here's a dollar. You got more money. You hit your goal. Now we set up for the next goal. What's your next goal? Did that dollar help him? No. So you got to be specific. What is, the, what is the actual goal? And the second thing ties in, again, with being specific, and that's got to be measurable. If it's not measurable, how do you know when you achieve it? You can't know when you achieve it because there's nothing that it's measuring to. The third thing is it's got to be realistic. And uh, when I was, Sue knew I was obviously doing the sermon on goals, and she reminded me of the biggest lie that's ever out there. When people tell you, you can be anything you want in life. And you know, you think over time, we would get to the point where we know that's a lie. But it seems to be getting worse. Because now people actually say that I could become pregnant. It's like, huh? No, I may look pregnant. But if I am, I've been pregnant for 20 years. Because this thing, <laughs> so... <clears throat> But no, you can't be anything you want. I can't be the starting center for the, you know, UT Vols basketball team or whatever. I, I, it's not going to happen. So it's a waste of time for me to think that I can set that goal. I can't set that goal. It's not realistic. So be realistic. The other thing is keep it simple. The fourth thing is keep it simple. Sometimes we'll set up, we'll see people set up goals. They're so elaborate, stuff taped all over here, this and that, pages of stuff written. You're not going to do it if it's too hard. If it's too complex, it'll never get done. Keep it simple. Keep it simple. Really, a page or two on a goal is really about all you need for most people on it. Um, and what's the target date? You got to have a date on there. If you don't have a date, um, Again, you can just say, well, I haven't hit the goal yet because, you know, the, I haven't set a date for it. Well, what good is the goal then? You got to have a date to keep yourself accountable. The sixth thing is to be flexible, as I just mentioned before. Be flexible. Don't be so rigid with your goals 
that if there a little change comes down the road that you need to do, you can't change with it because that's a problem. But I also want to warn you on that being flexible to be careful that you don't use that flexibility to pull yourself out of the goal. Because sometimes people will do that. They'll like, they'll, they'll, you know, end up watering the goal down so much it's no longer a goal. You want to stay with that goal. The last thing, and to me this is a tough one, is you need, the seventh thing, you need to share it with somebody that you trust. And what I mean by that is not somebody that's going to just tell you, yeah, yeah, rah, rah, you can do it. Because sometimes that's not the right advice. But somebody who will be honest with you. Somebody that will be honest with you. Um, that guy I was telling you about that was on the airplane that we did goal geeking. Uh, when, we were, when I was starting the natural food stores, I was putting together all the finances with him. And he, he has a, a master's in financing. And, and he worked on the investment side of this bank. And so he was more of a risk taker at the bank because they would, they would do things that were a little more risky. They'd step out of the box. His wife, on the other hand, worked at the same bank, but she was more on the lending side, much more conservative as a matter of fact, she would not only not step out of the box, but her box was probably smaller than most people's box. She probably squeezed in a little bit. Both of them had my best interests at heart. They're both dear friends of mine, and I know they would always, you know, want to steer me right. But it was funny because we'd sit there doing these, uh, these numbers, and we're sitting at the computer, right? And she'd come in, and she wasn't really, you know, paying a lot of attention to us. She was coming in to do something. And as she did, she kind of looked over at the community. She looked back. She was like, you can't do that. <laughs> it's like, well, what do you mean, right? So she like deflated us both, right? But she was right. So we'd have to go look at the goal, be flexible, and, uh, and, 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 and move on to, uh, to make it work. So I appreciate that. So when you share it, share it with someone who will really help you. I hate to say it, but there are people out there right now that will – they don't want to see you succeed. So when you tell them you have a goal that you want to try to do, if they're jealous of it in any way, they'll squash you and try to put that fire out. Don't let that happen. Tell someone that you, that you trust. Okay, so now that we have the goal down, it's time for the plan. Proverbs 21.5 says, the plans of the diligent lead to profit as surely as haste leads to poverty. So if we jump into something too fast, these get-rich-quick schemes and all this type of stuff, we're, we're, it's going to hurt us, not help us. We need to plan. And again, that profit doesn't just have to be money. We look at it as money all the time, but profit could be anything. Is your, is your ministry you're working in profitable? Or is it is it something that seems to be failing? Does it need work on it? So planning is key for that. Luke 28 says, suppose one of you wants to build a tower. Will he not first, first sit down and estimate the cost to see if he has enough money to complete it? That's part of planning, right? Now, there are times when God will have you jump forward ahead of time, and he clearly is letting you know, but you've still planned to get there. You know in your head this is what God is putting together for you. It's not a quick thing. So how do you plan? I only have three things listed for that because planning can vary greatly depending on whatever the goal is. And the first one is that, is how do I achieve this? Think of planning as the roadmap. You know, when you have your goal and you have it set, you want to know how to get to that goal, the roadmap of that. So this will, this will vary greatly depending on what the goal is. But you need to ask that question of yourself. How do I achieve this? And pray about it. Things will start coming into your head. If you're really seeking God's will on it, God will start opening up your mind and you'll start getting little things that will draw you to that. Um, these are the same as goal setting. Keep it simple. Don't go crazy with the plan. 
Again, you lay out some roll of, remember, remember when Chris preached the, the other day and he had the long rope? You know, well, some of the people will have a long scroll of paper and it's like, you're never going to look at that. The, the plan, the goal is going to die because you're not going to look at that. A, a couple pages at best for planning. Now, there may be exceptions there. If you work for a big corporation or something, but even in a big corporation, they break it down into the small. So they might, the president and CEO may assign somebody to oversee that task, that goal, and then that person may take all the papers that they have and give the plans to the marketing guy, the sales guy, the you know, cost of goods sold guy, administrators, whatever it may be that they need, and each one gets a smaller piece that they have to focus on until they all come together. So keep it simple. Make it workable. And the last thing, again, on that, number three is be flexible. Just like with goals, you've got to be flexible. That, that plan may change, and I'm going to tell you a story on that one in a minute. But before I do, Casey, can you put up my... Uh, I'm definitely getting uh, putting myself out with you guys on this one. All right. So a couple days before DJ had his heart attack, I was getting chest pains. I was telling this to DJ, and we were laughing together after about what I'm about to say. But I was getting chest pains for two or three days. I didn't think much of it because I've had asthma all my life, so... I get some chest pains, but I was getting more than normal, and I was getting some sharp pains for like two or three days that would really take your breath away for a while. And then it just became kind of like a bear hug type pain. And so I said, I'll go to bed. It'll be better in the morning. Well, it was 1130 in the morning. It woke me up. I was in so much pain with it. And I, typical guy, right? I didn't say I better go to the hospital, right? Just, I said, you know, I'm just going to get up, I'll work a little bit at my desk, and then I'll, when it goes away, I'll go back to sleep. Well, around 2 o'clock in the morning, it wasn't good, getting any better. So I finally, in my mind, in my stupid male mind, and this is where DJ and I, with, yes, he's waving, he's in agreement. I'm thinking this. If I have a stroke or a heart attack and it kills me, no one will know I had the chest pains before. Everything's good. Hopefully some people will miss me, but everything's good. If I have a stroke or a heart attack and I just get crippled from it in some way, then I have to be honest and tell my wife, my kids, my guys I work with, that I had these chest pains for several days and did nothing about it. They're not going to be happy with me, okay? Especially if I miss a Friday payday. My guys are really not going to be happy with me. So I said, you know what, I better start, set up real goals, get serious about losing weight. So I put this together real quick. Can you all see it up there at all? Some people farther away know. Is there any way to expand that at all? Casey, or is that it? Well, she messes around with it. We're going to look at a couple things on here. If we go to the seven things of a goal that we just went over. <clears throat> if you look, does that help anybody? Some of you may be able to see it. Now, I'm not sure it stretched it out enough. It may be harder to read. But uh, anyhow, if you look over on the, there's a second column from the left. There's a goal. says, how much I want to lose. It says loss in there. If you look on the upper right-hand corner, and again, I'm really get, giving myself away here, uh, upper right-hand corner shows the heaviest I've ever been, which is 187.6 pounds. Now, that's great if I was six foot two, but two foot 11, that's too heavy. Okay, so, <laughs> so if I look over there, you see the date, you see my actual weight when I started this goal, it was 184. So now if you look over on the left column, you'll see the dates every week. And it shows my goal every week, 180, 177, 175. So it becomes like two pounds a week for a while, then drops to one pound a week because it gets harder and harder. I know, again, remember about being realistic. It gets harder and harder as you lose more. Um, 
And so then I write down what my actual weight is every, every week so that I know where I am and how I'm doing toward that goal. So let me ask you a question. Is it specific? Yeah. Is it measurable? Yeah. Okay. Uh, is it realistic? Yeah, it is realistic. Is it simple? Okay. Easy to read, one page. There's a time frame on there, right? On the left column. Uh, now, on this one here, uh, flexible. I can definitely be flexible on that if I have to be. Uh, this one here, share it. I think we can all agree that I shared it. <laughs> There's a few people here that know now about this goal that I have. Um, and I'm good with you guys holding me accountable on it too. So not only was I able to put my goals on there, but now I say, well, how am I going to do that? I know my weaknesses. And Josh and I have talked about this one too, because I think he has one of the same weaknesses. Sugar. That's my main thing. And sugar's horrible for you. But sugar, I love it. And I get to the point where if I eat it, though, I can't stop eating it. And so I said, I got to cut it all out. Sugar's got to be gone because even if I cheat once, you know, I went almost three, a little over three years of not eating any sugar. And all I did one, one Thanksgiving is I said, you know, it's a piece of apple pie and ice cream is not a big deal. And I went right back to eating it after that. It's like I'm definitely addicted to sugar. So that was one of the first things. So if you look, I have a thing up there, foods to avoid. Candy, ice cream, soda, not, and I got to be specific so I know what I can grab and what I can. Got to have it in my mind. Non-juice drinks. I'll drink 100% uh, juice, real juice, but I won't drink sweetened juices. Pastries, cookies. And then the second problem I have, and this is probably because I'm Italian, I love to eat. So consumption is a problem for me. Sue says that I have, what do you call it again? Consumption? No, what is it? <laughs> proportion distortion. That's it. Sue says I have proportion distortion. It's a good explanation for me. So uh, I, I put down in there overconsumption. And then I put foods to eat. I put down the things on there and keep it to three meals a day. No snacking throughout the whole day and all that. And then some exercise, just some basic exercise to do to help along that along that line. That's the plan. So I was actually able to put the goals, the seven things of the goals, and the three things of the plan all on one sheet. And this thing sits in a little cubby in my desk, and I pull it out to look at it when the, when the week comes up and I pay attention. Like, I know what my next goal is for the next Sunday because I look at it all the time. I got to be 175 pounds by then. So this baby that I'm carrying is hopefully slowly going to go away. All right? So, um, so that's really just an example for you of a typical little goal that you can do and, and how it might help you uh, to achieve something you're trying to get. You can't just say, I want to lose weight. It's not going to happen. You've got to actually put it so that it's visual in there. <clears throat> The first story I gave, I showed you how uh, God changed my goal. Or I shouldn't say he changed it, but he heavily persuaded me to change it by the way he worded things to me and showing me what I'm going to gain, but what I'm going to lose. And, and I said, okay, I'm changing that goal. This next one I want to tell you about was the opposite. He kept the goal the same, but the plan changed. And sometimes God will change the plan uh, because, we, for example, we don't want to wait for his plan to work out, so we come up with our own. Great example, Sarah and Abraham. Okay, God says, you're going to have a, a, a son. Excellent. There's the goal. Son's coming. What's the plan? I don't know. It's taking God too long, so Sarah and Abraham came up with their own plan. It was the wrong plan. Later on, 13 or whatever years down the road, 
God's plan came to fruition. And now the two kids have been fighting ever since, right? Um, To this day. So we can jump ahead of God. But the other thing too is, sometimes God will change our plan, even if our plan's good. He'll change it because he wants to show that he's God and there's no other way that this thing could have happened unless God had done it. So again, I'm going to get a little vulnerable here, or if that's the right word. I'm going to tell you a little bit about, uh, <clears throat> about what happened in my business. When I first opened up the plumbing business, things were very tough in the beginning financially. And, uh, and um, I, even, I even at one point said I'm going to close. I told Sue, and then I called. There were three people that had helped invest in the business, and I called them up and said I had to close. We were overdrawn so much in the account, and, uh, and I just didn't know any way out of it. And so... Um, they, all three of the people that invested in it, were all really cool. They said, Garrett, we knew that this could happen. We did this, you know, just helping you get the business going. So that was a big relief off me. The, the next night, I believe it was, I had a dream. Now, I never used to dream. Now that I have a CPAP, I dream constantly. <laughs> but before then, I probably never was in a deep sleep, but I never would dream. And if I ever did dream, it, it just nothing made sense. It was all crazy stuff. Well, this dream was real clear. It woke me up at 2 in the morning. It was, you're not going to close, Garrett. I had just fired someone who was ripping us off blind. And uh, I just fired him. And there was a, I had a few other employees, of which one of them sitting up there. And he's a, a fantastic em- employee that has stuck with me through thick and thin. And I appreciate that. And there's one or more of them that's not here that did also. They had faith in me when I wasn't sure I had faith in myself with it. But anyhow, um, <clears throat> when, that, when I uh, had that dream, the first thing was it said, God confirmed that I was supposed to fire that other guy that I did. God told me there was one other employee I had that I had to let go. And then he said, you're going to focus on new construction. He went down the list of all the things that I had to do. I jumped out of bed and I wrote them all down. And I followed his plan to the T. And the business turned around. And then we were still in the red a lot. If you don't know what that means, we were negative in our checking account. I praise God for the bank that I work with because they trusted me enough to cover my checks when I was in the red. They'd call me up, and this happened two or three times a week, okay? And it got expensive because I got charged 35 bucks a whap. So it was hard for me to dig out of this mess. But they'd call me up and say, hey, Garrett, what do you have for checks coming in? And I'd tell them, and I was always honest with them. They'd say, okay, we're going to cover these checks for you. Just bring that in when you get it. And things were really tough. Even after God gave me that plan, I remember one, this happened to me twice, but one time I remember Sue had just enough gas for her to get to work and back. I was way down on E, below E, to the point where you didn't think it could go that far into E, right? And I'm thinking, how am I going to get to work? I can't drive to Knoxville. Both of our check accounts, personal and checking, were overdrawn. And the credit card I had was tapped out. I had no way to put gas in the vehicle. And I'm like, God, what do I do? i got to get to work. I had a pretty good feeling that I was going to be able to pick up a check that day. So God says to me, very, very, again, I don't get audible. When I say God said, I don't mean he speaks to me like that. But I get things that come in my head right away that I know are not from me. And so immediately he says to me, you got a five-gallon gas can in your shed for your lawnmower, and it's full. I'm like, yeah, right on, that's right. I run into the shed, I fill up my gas, 
and, uh, and, and get myself to work. And sure enough, there was a check there. But we were always, it, got, it gets tiring. If anybody's gone through financial stresses, it's very tiring. And, you know, sometimes even, you know, Sam or something would come in and say, you all right, gee, you could see I was stressed out at work. And uh, so anyhow, as this went on for, I said, I got to somehow get a loan. And even though we had all those overdrawns, my credit wasn't that good. So because of that, I was hurt by that. I said, but I got to get a loan. I figured out how much I needed. I wanted to actually get a separate account. I had one account at the time. I wanted a separate account for payroll. And I wanted to always keep a minimum in there so that at least one week of payroll was always covered. Because you know what else? Once or twice, I bounced their paychecks. And that's hard for me to say that up here. And it's amazing that he's still with me. He's, he's probably here because he wants to take a slingshot and shoot me a little bit or something, pay me back for that. But anyhow, um, I didn't want that to happen anymore. I wanted, I wanted money to be in a separate account. That would be the first thing I'd put money into so their paychecks never bounced again. I used to have to hold my own paychecks for four or five weeks sometimes because I didn't have the money to cash them and let my, my own bills get, get backed up on it. So that was a tough time. So I said, okay, God, I want to be able to do that. I want to have a minimum of a certain amount of money in my checking account, and I want to pay off all these little bills that are killing me every month. There were probably you know, 10 or 15 of these bills that were just too expensive every month. So I prayed about it. I felt like I was getting a green light. I went to the bank, got denied. Went to the, you know, looked into a couple different options, got denied. But the cool thing is, God wanted to show off. So I've got this number, and I'll tell you what the number was. It was 55000 And there's going to be 7500 in a payroll account. I wanted a minimum of 10000 in the regular checking account at all times. And I had the rest of the money to pay off the, the, the outstanding debt that I had. So... COVID comes around. And anybody who has a business or knows about it, they were offering things to employers who didn't let their employees go because so many people were letting employees go. So the first thing they offered was you got $1,000 per employee if you didn't let them go within a certain period of time. So there were five of us, me and four, four other guys. So we got $5,000 for those, those guys. And remember, I wanted $55,000. Then there was something called the Paycheck Protection Program, which we had talked about that too, Josh. Paycheck Protection Program, what that was, the same type of thing. They said if you keep your employees for 12 months straight, uh, 12 weeks straight, rather, and don't let them go, then we're going to give you a loan based on what it would cost you for a certain period of time to keep them there. And, and that will also cover, you can pay your business rent or mortgage, whatever you have, and your business utilities. So I said, perfect. Here's the, ex the time for me to open up a separate payroll account because then they can see that that's all I use the money for. And guess how much we qualified for? $51,800. So we actually got $56,800. And since I was able to show them, this is how God shows off though. Since I was able to show them that that was paid and that's all I paid was employees, rent and utilities with it, they wiped out the loan. So not only did I get, not get a $55,000 loan from the bank that I would have to pay back, which would just be another monthly expense. But I got that amount of money plus an $1,800 bonus and didn't have to pay it back. So that's an example where God says, no, I like your goal, Garrett. Your goal's good, but your plan, I got a different plan for you. So we need to be flexible and let God work through whatever it is that God is going to work with. Now, some of you may be saying, yeah, but these are money goals, and I don't think we should have money goals because I'm whatever. We can get self-righteous, right? We've all heard that saying, money is the root of all evil, right? 
Where did that come from, by the way? Do you remember a couple weeks ago when I mentioned that we should never add to or take away from anything in the Word? It comes from a Bible verse, but it's been altered. It comes from 1 Timothy 6.10. And it says, for the love of money, not money, but the love of money. For the love of money is a root of all kinds of evil, not every evil. As a matter of fact, some translations use the word many, the root of many evils. So it's not all of them, and it's the love of money. Does money hold that over a lot of us where we can, if we're not careful, we can, we can get in trouble with it and walk away from God? Absolutely. But the truth of the matter is, a lot of Christians have a lot of money, and they do a lot of good things with that money. So we shouldn't look at it as it may not be God's goal for us, but it may be too. Depends on who you're hanging out with and who you're with, who's God, God, who God's putting you with, whether or not that's part of it. But did you know that God has goals for us too? Very important because we should be paying attention to what goals God has for us. He's a goal setter. Second Peter 3.9 says the Lord is not slow in keeping his promise, as some understand slowness. He is patient with you, not wanting anyone to perish, but everyone to come to repentance. You see his goal? His goal for us is that we come to him and we get to know him and we have repentance. We all heard this one, Jeremiah 29, 11. I do want to put it in context, though. He's talking to the Israelites. The Israelites at the time had lost the northern, uh, the northern part of Israel, and uh, they were about to lose a southern part, and he said to them this, For I know the plans I have for you, declares the Lord, plans to prosper you and not to harm you, plans to give you hope and a future. He's telling the Israelites he's going to bring them back to that land at some point, and but I believe that that can apply to us also because if we're walking with him, he has the same feeling for us here. He doesn't want to harm us. He wants plans for hope in the future. <clears throat> if you look at all your goals, though, and you find that they're all about you, then you're probably not paying attention to God because our goals should be really God-sense. And I want to hit a couple other things before we close on that. One of them is, uh, an example of that is James and John. For those of you maybe new to church, James and John were, were each, uh, they were brothers. They were known sometimes as the sons of thunder. So they're probably a little bit rowdy bunch. Uh, and they were each, they were, they were two of the 12 disciples. And this is what they said in Mark 10, 35 through 37. It says, then James and John, the sons of Zebedee, came to him. Teacher, they said. We want you to do for us whatever we ask. See how they're trying to trick Jesus into something? So he'll just say, oh yeah, whatever you want, right? Because what they're about to ask him for is all about them and their pride and how they're going to look. It's, Jesus doesn't say he'll give them whatever they want. He says, what do you want me to do for you? They replied, let one of us sit at your right hand and the other on your left in your glory. So again, they're doing that for him. That's their, that's their pride. It has nothing to do with ministry or doing anything for Jesus. They just want to look good up there with a leader. James 4, 13 through 17 says, Now listen, you who say tomorrow, today or tomorrow we will go to this or that city, spend a year there, carry on business and make money. Get rich quick scheme again, right? We'll go do that. So we can see the goal, again, is self-centered. Sometimes people will look at these scriptures and think it's because God doesn't want us to plan. That's not true. God wants us to plan properly. Let's keep reading. It says, why do you not, why do you not even know what will happen tomorrow? What is your life? You are a mist that appears for a little while and then vanishes. Instead, you ought to say, if it is the Lord's will, we will live and do this or that. As it is, you boast and brag. All such boasting is evil. Again, they're trying to look at uh, a, a goal for them and not whether or not it's God's will. That's critical in it. So our goals should line up with his. How do we know how to do that? We're going to kind of wrap up with this here. 
this is where I put a little plug in for spiritual gifts. Um, for those who, again, are new to the church or, or not really knowing the difference, there's, in each one of us, there's talents that God gives us. Vocational talents, if you will, or other talents. Could be, uh, uh, could be you know, art, art. It could be, uh, you know, singing. Uh, could be whatever it may be. We have talents that God will give us uh, some people are good with math, other people aren't, with English not. And these are things that we can provide for a family for. Spiritual gift is different. Spiritual gift is only given to believers. And a spiritual gift is given so that we can use that gift he gives us to expand his kingdom and draw people in and train people and, and use it for his kingdom. Um, if we don't use our spiritual gift that God gives us, it's actually a sin if you look in the Bible. We've all heard of the, the, the parable, or I shouldn't say we've all heard, but people who've been in church for a while have heard about the parable of the master who left three, behind three of his servants. To one he gave a talent of gold, to one he gave two talents, to one he gave five talents. The one only had one talent. The guy buried it so he'd give it back safely. He's not talking about money there. He's talking about the gifts that he's given us. And if we bury a spiritual gift that he gives us, he's not happy about it. He wants us to use that to help expand his kingdom. So if you don't know what your goal is, your goal should be finding out what your goal is. Okay? That's the start. And I would say the best way to look into that is <clears throat> what is your spiritual gift? If you know what your spiritual gift is, you know where you feel God's calling you to do, that's probably where your goal should start is doing something along that line. If you know you're not good with kids and they, they, they stress you out and all that stuff or whatever, and, and you should not say, I'm going to have a goal of being, you know, a children's teacher. But if you feel that God has gifted you in that area, you're good with them. When I watch these guys, when they do my granddaughter in there, uh, they do an awesome job, and Brooklyn loves them. They're gifted in it. So if you want to have a goal, try to line up with your spiritual gifts. If you don't know what your spiritual gifts are, I can put together a little test thing for you. You can take it home and do it. Um, I'm happy to just see me after. I'm happy to give anyone that. Just give me your name and number and I'll get, it, get copies for you and have them done for you. So, but I want to give an action step, okay? You guys are going to get homework. You're like, oh, come on. We don't want homework. But we got some homework. I want you in the next week, so it's got a time frame. It's going to be very specific here. I want you to come up with three goals, I want you to come up with a ministry goal. Again, try to line it up with where you think God's gifting you. I want you to come up with a personal goal, like the weight loss one, or some other personal goal that you want. Maybe you want to take a trip or a vacation or something in a year, and you want to set up a goal on how you're going to do it and a plan as to how it's going to work. And if one financial goal, maybe there's something in your finances you want to get in line. Come up with a goal, one financial goal. Now come up with a plan for all these too. Because again, remember, the goal is useless without the plan. Okay, the last thing I want you to do is going to be right here. Okay? I want you to write down a goal here, but I'll tell you what it is in a minute. I don't want to tell you yet because I don't want you to think about it too much. When I give you this goal, don't overthink it. Write down the first thing that pops into your head. Because the first thing that pops into your head is probably the one from God. If you think about it too much, it's probably from you. And you're going to mess it up. Okay? So, what I want you to write a goal for is one goal or thing you can do for God or ministry. Hit the music, Casey. There we go. <laughs> I 
Excellent. Thank you. All right. Hopefully you have a goal. I want you to work on that goal too. Share it with somebody. Don't just leave it in your computer. Somebody that you trust, share it with, whether it be your spouse, kid, whatever. Share it with that person. Um, I told you that I had a guy that I got together with Goal Geek, and I'm going to close with this. I had a, two trusted friends in Connecticut, too, that we were prayer partners. We'd meet once a week, and uh, one of the guys got cancer and passed away. Before he died, he said, Garrett, I want you to get up and say something at, at, at my funeral. I said, okay. Anything particular? He goes, yeah, I want you to talk about the way the three of us would get together and the benefit it has that we hold each other accountable. And I came up with this name, Ape Man, A-P-E, Ape Man. Doesn't sound as good as Ape Woman. I mean, it doesn't sound good saying Ape Woman. So, but women can use this too. The ape is A-P-E. So when you're sharing it with someone, think of these three letters. A stands for accountability. Someone that will, show, will hold you accountable. P stands for prayer. Someone that will pray with you about this goal. And E stands for encouragement. They don't need to be shot down and I need to be encouraged. So I, I tell you that, find an eight man, share that goal, 